Tomorrow, Daniel, is February 14th. St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick's Day, if you live on the East Coast. I think it's a little different on the West Coast. Oh, okay. I don't know. But for many people, tomorrow is a great day to celebrate your love and companionship with your significant other. For example, you have your lovely wife, Coley Jones, that I hope you will be doing something with. Fun fun aside, I ran to the little local grocery store like at, I don't know, 10 after 5. Yeah. I don't think I'm there very often that time of day, um, but it was pretty busy. But the interesting thing, it was like a bunch of dudes in there buying Valentine's stuff. <laughs> yep. Like, they didn't really know. Like, as a guy that goes to the grocery store often... It was just funny because most of them seemed very uncomfortable in that setting. I went to a grocery store to get a Valentine's Day card tonight. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there weren't. I didn't see any of the guys there. But I mean, I'm sure there were plenty because the card section was picked over. I ended up getting nice. like this cheap little card. Um, and there was a lady there. And she was, she was maybe a little bit older than me, and she, uh, she's like, and I just made a comment. I was like, oh man, there's not much here, and she's like, no, no, I'm having a hard time finding anything. I wish. Uh, she's like, I gotta get one for my teenage kids, and she's like, I wish they had one that said. I fucking hate you sometimes or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and she just starts, I just start laughing and she goes, oh God, I'm so sorry. I was like, I, psh, don't worry about it. I have a nine-year-old. I totally get it. That's funny. Yeah. So I find it, I, I, now we're going to get, I'm going to get sidetracked, but I'm one of those people that I buy gifts months in advance. Like I hate being unprepared. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So I actually had already bought Valentine's stuff for uh, Heather, honestly. <laughs> oh. I'm not going to give it to her, clearly. Yeah. I, would, um, I, would, I would forget that I had it, though. Yeah, I suppose. And um, so I just, it's funny to see people. I, I mean, like flowers, obviously, you can't buy ahead of time. But it's funny to see people in there scrambling to, <laughs> to purchase yeah. things. Yep. So... Do you have, are you going to go out to dinner? Are you going to cook a nice dinner at home? Is Quinn going to go stay with grandma? What do you got going on? Uh, so, so yeah. Uh, this year we decided to really kind of treat ourselves. We're not getting gifts or anything for each other. We got cards and that's it. But um, Quinn's going to Mimi's house and we are meeting each other after work at a restaurant in a town right nearby because uh, we both work close near near each other. Um, so we're going to meet each other at a restaurant and then go. I got reservations for 4.45, so we're going to be real old people. But there's a good reason because after dinner, we're going to get massages. Nice. Yep. So you're going to go to the restaurant and... Um talk about all the other people in the restaurant while you wait for your food of course yeah yes we're, i like it we're gonna eat and get really full and then we're gonna have massages 
Is that do you have, like do you get massages often? I don't know that I want somebody touching me. Um, like twice a year, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever go without her? Uh, yeah, I have. Like, okay. yeah, there's there's a chiropractic place that does it near okay. near where I we work. Know. I know. Right. I like it. I don't know. I, I love getting. No, massage. I think I would like. I I think I would like it. I just have such a weird bubble. Yeah. Um, once it started, I'd probably like it. Anyway. Yeah. Well, cool. That sounds it, it, nice and romantic. It takes a little bit of getting used to, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. I guess they can massage me as long as they don't expect a phone call afterwards. <laughs> That's, no, most of them don't. <laughs> oh, okay, that's good. Maybe like a review or something, but I, I had a roommate in my uh, early ish twenties, twenty four ish maybe, that was a masseuse and she was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I bet yeah. I bet yeah. masseuses are interesting people. She yeah she was yeah she was cool okay she was cool all right that's good um yeah <laughs> so so what are you doing tomorrow uh oh well so tomorrow at work we're doing a um kind of adopt a resident Valentine's luncheon so staff members can come down and eat you know pick a resident well we invited family but for those that don't have family to show up which sadly is a lot yeah um, so residents are going to come down and have lunch with our uh our staff are going to come down and have lunch with our residents just like a little date so nice we'll have i'm making lasagna and spinach salad and red velvet cupcakes and There'll be little boxes of chocolates to hand out to the residents and single stem roses and whatnot. So that'll be kind of cool. Um, I don't have a personal date. I don't know. Maybe I'll talk on the phone with somebody. We'll see. <laughs> and um, I don't have my kids because it's Tuesday. So I will probably sit at home and be sad. But I'm not going to be sad because like, I'm single. I'll be sad because tomorrow is the anniversary of when I, when we adopted our three girls yeah. last year on Valentine's Day. Yeah. So Officially. I got, I got my, um, I'm actually sitting in, well, now I switched over to my couch cause it was just a little more comfortable, but I'm, I'm recording on my couch tonight. Usually I sit on my kitchen table Mm-hmm. At my at my kitchen table. I was gonna say yeah. on your kitchen table. That seems weird. But yeah. All right. They haven't they haven't made them that sturdy since the medieval ages. I don't think <laughs> I can hold my fat ass. But anyway, I, it's full of Valentine's stuff. I got four little piles there for Dylan and the girls. So I didn't have room and I didn't want to move it. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, it's kind of a bittersweet day. I will Facetime with them. Um. I kind of hope like in the future that, that, uh, me and the mom can get along well enough to where we can throw like a combined party on this day every year. Yeah. You know, I guess, I don't know. We'll see how that goes. And 
just kind of celebrate it because it's it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, we it is. Fought very, we we fought for years to be able to adopt those kids. Yeah. Um, and it it wasn't planned to be on Valentine's Day. I mean, the goalposts just kept getting moved longer and longer, and I then the court remember. had an open open date, and we were like, "Yeah, sure, yeah." So, um, I think it's kind of cool, though, personally. Yeah, that it ended up on that day because Valentine's Day is, after all, all about unconditional love. Correct. Yes, and massage and massages. Absolutely. I mean, and dinner dates. Eh, I mean, unconditional. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, in a perfect world. I'm not a dog. It's true. I've always thought that there's conditions to any kind of human love, and I, <laughs> and, at least like partner to partner, and I stand by that. But that's a discussion for another day, I suppose. Yeah. Um. You know, like if if I was with somebody and they like murdered our children, I don't think I could love them anymore. Oof. That would be a con- that would be a condition in which I would have to say, you know, there's a lot of that going much. around lately. It's, it's terrifying seeing all these different <laughs> news yeah. stories. Oh God, there's one in Crazy Massachusetts, really famous one right now. Oh, I don't know how I haven't heard of that. Oh, Jeez, yeah. I've been, mm. I've been listening to too much Last of Us podcast and not enough. This woman, there was this woman. She killed. I, I think I want to say it was three. Of oh, her yeah, kids. yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. That was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you meant like today. No, no, no. Oh. Sorry, recent. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I can I can keep my uh, crime junkie card. <laughs> I st- I'm still still in the in the know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cool. So yeah, happy so, Valentine's yeah. Day. Happy Valentine's <laughs> Day. Only us, only <laughs> us could do that. <laughs> only we could talk about children getting murdered. Jesus, right after Christ. children getting adopted. What is wrong with us? Uh, who knows? We don't have enough time. For I that. wish that we had some way to talk about something different than children getting murdered, like billionaires. Of course. Of course, we have a podcast. Yeah, and no, we're not going to talk about billionaires. No, we're not talking about billionaires, Jeremy. I don't want to get into it. Me neither. It's it's the day of love, Daniel. But you know what I do want to talk about? No, because you wouldn't tell me, but I'm waiting for it. So I was listening... So I have this app, Libby, it's called. It's not Libby Montana. It's a library audiobook app. Well, not just audiobooks. It's all sorts of books. Um, and it, it, it's you put in your library card and you take out books and magazines and audiobooks on your library card. But you have to, like borrow them so you have two weeks with them and then you have to return them and then um you have to wait like when you want one they're not always available wait you have to wait for somebody to turn it back in like a real library yes it's wait is this a is this a free app it's free okay so this is a extremely stupid but also extremely awesome like yes well, that's the thing, right? I put up with it because it's free. 
but the library is very limited because I don't know if it goes by what your library has, which is okay. clearly not a lot. Um, yeah. Or or if they have a library of books that they have, I don't know. Um, but it it's really dumb because I'll I'll like I just read um, well listened to. Um, the first book in the Expanse series, which is okay. really cool, but I wanted Can, to... Could you, could you expand on that a little bit? Uh, I wanted to um, re- listen to the next one, but I had to put place a hold on it, and the hold is like eight weeks. Or so, not even, there even more than that, because there are eight people in front of me, so each of those people get it for two weeks. So I have to wait... Uh, that long. Okay, so uh, a few questions. Um, <laughs> can you like pay money to skip ahead? Is it like Spotify where no, you get free five nope. skips an hour or something? No, no. Okay. This is a free app. So, so no. Do you think that they can't just? Do you think that they have to have some sort of inventory, so to speak, because of digital licensing? Do you think that's why they do it that I way? I think it has something to do with. Digital or is it licensing? just more for the gimmick? Because no. I find it kind of funny. I know it is. It's ridiculous. I think it's digital licensing. I think they have to pay for okay. each digital license of the book, and they only have so many copies of each, so many licenses of each book. But then, how are they even allowed to share it like that, like at all? And I'm, I'm very curious. Because it works. Anyway, just that like sounds a like. Yeah, you know, the digital licenses are are often different than physical. We learned that through the video game yeah. shit of, of you know. Oh, like, that's true. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's not even why I mentioned it. Why I mentioned okay. it is because um, I, when I couldn't take out the second Expanse book, I was just like, well, you know what? I bet I could find. Um, is one of my comfort books, just like it is one of my comfort movies, The Lord of the Rings. Of course, like, of course. I'll just, I'll just go check check those out, see if they're available, and I'll just because I just wanted something to listen to, right? Okay. So I have more questions suddenly, but go ahead. Why? Why? Well, like, how is it you don't already own digital copies of Lord of the Rings? Not like, on I don't audiobook. That's well. What other digital copies do you own of them? Well, I don't own any digital copies. I own well, them on I paperback. Mean. I've read them. You several- don't even have hardback? Oh my god! <laughs> I've read them several times. I I don't. <laughs> I don't. I'm teasing. I don't know. All right. So, so, so I look, and they have different versions. You know, they have the actual book. They have like the new version. I think they have the new version that's like uh narrated by andy circus which is really cool i would like to listen to that but that has a very long hold time on it so then i found the only one that doesn't have a hold on it are um the bbc radio play version of it from 1981 starring Ian Holm as Frodo Baggins. Ian Holm, who plays Bilbo in the original trilogy. Yes. Isn't okay. that cool? 
That's very cool. It is. It is very cool. And he's good as Frodo. But it is weird every time he's in a scene with Bilbo, I want to... I get very confused who's talking, you know? Sure, I, 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 keep, I could understand I that. keep thinking that he's Bilbo um, and not Frodo. And then the other weird thing about it is I'm surprised nobody's ever talked about how much those films seem to have um, borrowed from this specific production. The specific oh. BBC. I thought you were going to say from the books. No. <laughs> like, well. <laughs> no. Like, lines, certain lines are delivered almost the same exact way. So, like, the way it's directed, so to speak? Yeah, almost. Um, and Okay. <clears throat> and, um, like, the music, the way songs are sung in the book are the way they are sung in the movie. Um, so like, you know, when he wrote those songs in the books, he never put music to them. You know, he never wrote them with sheet music or anything. So they basically borrowed the same melody that they used in, in this play. Like the road goes ever on and on. That's the same in the play as it is in the book. And then the other shocking thing to me is that I could have swore when I watched all the behind the scenes stuff on the Lord of the Rings, right? On on the extended edition and everything. Yeah. First of all, do you ever remember them ever mentioning this radio play in any of that stuff cuz I know you've watched most of that stuff. And 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 the behind the scenes stuff? Yeah. Or the audio commentaries no. or anything. Right? No mention no. of it. Which is weird, because it is so obvious that they were influenced by it. Like, without a doubt. So obvious. I mean, just casting Ian Holm as Bilbo is proof that they were influenced by it, right? Because it was like an homage to this, that they cast him as Bilbo. So then, the weirdest thing, though, to me is that I remember in all of those commentaries and behind the scenes things, they basically, I I swear to God, maybe I'm misremembering, but I swear that they always said, oh, we just kind of um, found this Arwen character and made up this love story for her and, and Aragorn. We didn't make it up, like, they took it from the appendix, appendixes, right? But they really, like, expanded on it. For the for the movie, you mean they fleshed out the relationship? They fleshed out that relationship. It was only yes. briefly mentioned in the appendices. It was never in the body of the book, and they really, uh, really, okay, yeah, uh, Glorfindel or whatever is the one who uh, rescues. Bilbo and races the um, Black Riders. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. It's okay. not Arwen. And she's, maybe she's mentioned like a sentence or something, right? They spend yeah. several scenes on that relationship in this radio play. So I call fucking bullshit on Peter Jackson and his writing partner's 
because yeah. yeah they fucking took that story and they were like yeah that's a great idea we're gonna use that in the movie and nobody said a goddamn thing in 20 goddamn years about it nobody was Until like now. hey um you know credit where it's due yeah i don't know it's yeah just- no that that part there is is really the uh this the this the, the 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 smoking gun yeah right exactly yeah. It sure is so i just downloaded this libby app did you have to like upload your actual library card yes because okay you have to i had to find my library card and uh not upload it but like uh put in the information on it all right well i guess i gotta go to the library and get a library card yep mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway i don't know Maybe I have not actually uncovered a vast conspiracy to plagiarize this play, but it just feels like there's some... Okay, but you said it was from 1981? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And Peter Jackson started writing in maybe, what, 1995? Maybe? Right. So... I gotta say, you might be onto something. It's just weird. That's all. It's just... I. Just feel yeah, like... Yeah, so it turns out King Kong was done before Peter Jackson also. Did you know that? Oh, shit. Did he copy that too? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Some things well, are, are... A lot of things are different. I'll be... You know, to be fair. I mean, they're obviously I wish, both... Uh, hold on. They're both adapting the same material. So some yeah. things are going to be the same. It's just surprising... Certain the way certain things are very very similar. Anyway. As long as those those Tolkien places of the storyline are still in place, that's all that matters. <laughs> um, I wish he would have found a BBC version of The Hobbit to plagiarize. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, there I, I wanted that. There was none on the, on on there. That's what I mean. If there was, maybe The Hobbit. Right. Well, exactly. Right. That explains explains why The Hobbit was so frigging bad because they didn't have anything to plagiarize. I'm not saying that he plagiarized at all. It's just weird that they never talked about it and never, like, given. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was a very well known radio play in the UK. Like, people know that radio play, I'm I'm sure. So so it's just strange that they never specifically called it out or gave it credit right now china is trying to plagiarize war of the world so (laughs) it's happening um (laughs) that's cool thank you for telling me about that app i'm gonna now i'm gonna go to the library and get a library card yeah yeah it's good i've i've listened to some good books on there so nice yeah um it's fun Anything else you want to talk about, Daniel? Uh, there's a TV show I've been watching that I'd like to talk about. Yeah. Have you watched Succession? I've been trying to get into that. Having a hard time. I watched the first episode, and uh, I never stopped thinking about it. But I but I didn't continue watching it. But I've always been first like, man, I should I should go back to that show. Yeah. Have you wa- How much have you watched? 
I watched the first episode, which I really liked, and then the second episode I couldn't really get much into, and then the third episode I fell asleep in, and I just don't know that I'm going <laughs> to give it another shot. Right. See, I get that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's not the show you're talking about, though, is it? No, no, no. The show I'm talking about is a... <laughs> I was going to make the the joke. Never mind. I was gonna say it's a it's a little production called uh, the Last of Us. You were, so you were gonna make the joke and then you said never mind and then you went and then I made the joke. joke anyway. Yep. And then it, so then I made sure it wasn't funny. You know. Just, you you in, endured and survived. That's right. Doing all I can to take all the humor out of it. Hey, but I think there's a lot to discuss. So yeah, there is. So I'll probably be all over the place. I apologize in advance. Yeah. Well, kind so of I will same. Try not to. I meant to, you know what I was going to do the second time I watched it, I was going to bring a notepad with, with me to my chair and like, just kind of keep an outline. And then I forgot. I, this is the first episode. That's so funny. This is the first episode that I've actually taken notes. Oh, so you did take notes. Uh, Just a couple of notes, just things that I specifically wanted to talk about. Perfect. So let's get into it. Yeah, I'm going to try to do that. So so this is episode five, titled Endure and Survive. And so we are officially past the halfway point of the season. And that's sad, kind of. It is. I know. I felt the same way. I was like, man, it's going by so fast don't want it to and for the first time i don't know if this has been around and i just haven't seen it but for the first time today i saw a blurb or i don't think it was on facebook i think maybe twitter that showed a still from each of the episodes and the title of the episodes um so now i know when you know certain characters are going to show up so i guess there's that information i don't know if i wanted that information but i but i have it Huh. Um, Interesting. I won't share it with you in case you don't want to know. No, I don't. I don't want to know. I mean, obviously, we know from the previews what's happening next. Who's going to show up next? But um, previews of episode six after episode five. But right. Anyway. Yeah. So let's let's I guess get right into it. So first scene. Before we do, let's talk about. Let's just put our disclaimer out there. Jeremy and I both um, know this story pretty well. But we are specifically trying to only cover what the show covers right now. Um, so this episode won't spoil anything beyond... Well, so we'll try not to spoil anything beyond um, episode 5 and what happens in this episode. Yes. Um, even yes. though there is one thing I want to talk about, but I might, be, I might just need to be a little bit cagey about it. We're not going to... We're not going to throw a very iffy holding penalty flag with one minute and 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter to determine another wise really good game. That was a bad, bad call. It It was was just not worth making that call. No. No. It effectively ended the game. Yeah. But that's okay. Yep. Anyway. Um. All right, so I guess start at the beginning, Daniel. I don't know. Where do you want to start? Middle? End? No, let's start at the beginning. Back back this week? Let's start at the beginning. (laughs) So at the end of episode four, we we end on a bit of a cliffhanger with uh, 
uh, Henry and Sam had snuck up on Joel and Ellie and were pointing their guns at them. So that's where the fifth episode starts is, well, no, the well, fifth no. episode starts with a, a, uh, a flashback to Fedra being taken down as predicted so, by somebody. Yeah. It sort of starts, as, it starts, what, just two weeks before the episode, before episode four happens. Right. Yeah, I think that's generally about two weeks is what I either inferred from the show or I might have heard that on the podcast. I don't know. But I think right. the show actually kind of mentioned it. Yeah, I think it gives line. a timeline. Maybe it's like 10 days or something like that. Yeah, it said it's been like yeah two weeks since Fedra, something like that. So, yes. Um, yeah, and we see, yeah, we see Fedra getting taken down and there's a celebration in the streets and people are all happy that that uh, Fedra is no more, and they're but they're also doing terrifying, awful things like, uh, yes. you know, hanging people in public and murdering people and dragging bodies full of arrows through the streets. Yes, and uh, executing people that are on their knees surrendering. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that happens. Yes. And then we see Henry and Sam hiding from them, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and and Sam is scared, and Henry motions to him, you know, don't look at them, look at me. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was just because it was like they were trying to be quiet, honestly, at that point. Yeah. But also, I think he just didn't want him to see some of the stuff well i'm speaking more along the lines of why he was using his hands like and whispering oh like, you didn't okay yeah i didn't i didn't dawn on me yet yeah right right <laughs> yeah yeah because sam in the show is deaf he is deaf and the actor which is a twist is it's, it's too, new which is... it's new from the game yeah. yes Yes, that was not in the game. Um, they changed that so that their dialogue wouldn't f- just fall into the same pattern as as Joel and Ellie's dialogue, which is makes sense. Correct. Um, yeah. If you get a chance, or if you're into this sort of thing, I would listen to the companion podcast because the story they tell about the casting of 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 Sam is pretty fascinating. That's cool. Yeah. Very cool. Like, he's never really acted in anything before, and he did so good. He was, he was great. He was. Kevon Woodard? Woodward? Yeah, Wood, yeah, was it Woodard or Woodward? I don't know. Kevon Woodard. I think it's Woodard. I think it's Woodard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was almost my last name. Did you know that? Woodard? Of course you didn't know that. Why why would you know that? Why would I know that? How was that? Why? What? Because that's my dad's last name. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. Wow. Okay. My older sister, that is her last name. Oh. Huh. That's so, cool. Anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. So then we, then we follow them and we see how they kind of got hooked up with this, um, th- this doctor. Um, and he, well, he, they were already, you know, in communication with him. And Henry arranged 
with him to for for them to have somewhere to stay, which was that attic that we had already seen in in episode four that Kathleen had found, um, that Perry had found, and we see them getting set up there, and they have about ten days of food or whatever, right? And <clears throat> they go through their food and. Uh, Sam's drawing his drawings and then outside it's kind of cool because we see the progression of the the manhunt for them from their point of view from from up you know from Henry's point of view up in up in this attic um, as everybody's searching for them um, but they're also like you know low on food they're, they're running out of food. Um, yeah, so the doctor goes to look for more food, I presume, is what he was doing. And that's yeah. when he gets captured by by Kathleen's group. Um, the other thing, maybe this happens after this, but the other thing you can see from episode four from a different perspective is Henry is looking at watching out the window when Joel and Ellie's truck bust through that building and then they have their gunfight. Right. Well, that happens when they leave, right? Because they realize that the doctor is not coming back and Henry is honest with Sam and tells him, you know, the doctor's not coming back. Um, he, they, they probably killed him. And, and then, What I also think is really interesting is that they handle Sam and Henry a bit differently in in the show than they do in the game. In the game, Henry doesn't let Sam have, you know, toys or anything that would bring him joy in this world. Yes. Right? Only what we need. Only what we need. Um, whereas here, he gives him crayons and... Uh, paints his face with the the mask to kind of make him feel better. Um, And he just treats him a little bit more like a kid. He's letting him be a kid, you know? Yeah, definitely. He's also younger in the show than in the game. And I don't know if that makes a difference because he's, what, four years younger? About four years younger? Eight and 12, I think? Um, Yeah, I I, want to say he was... 12 in the in the game in the game now he's eight. and he's yeah yeah so which there is a big so, difference between a 12 year old and an eight year old and you can even like one of the things when they were in the attic that i thought was good writing directing and acting was as dire as the situation was he's hungry and and henry's trying to stall and opening the last can of food and Sam knows they need to be quiet. He knows that they're in danger, but he still just starts pounding on the attic floor until, you know, until, until Henry gives in. Throws a tantrum, more or less. Yeah, basically. Which he's allowed to do. I mean, he's, he's a kid. Which got um, me to thinking, in, in that scenario, in, a, in an apocalyptic world, I'd be fucked. Like, totally fucked. <laughs> My kids can't stay quiet for Same. shit. Uh, same. I mean, yeah. I think Quinn could do it if she realized it was a life or death situation. But I could maybe get one of them to do it, any one of them. But all three of them, no, they'd be fighting over 
the crayons, the paint, the cardboard. <laughs> they they wouldn't be eating their food. They'd be wanting fucking pizza or some shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so then then what happens? The, oh yeah, then they get then they see Joel and Ellie, right? They they're about to they're trying to plot their route to get around all of the people looking for them. And they, you know, Henry sees Joel, hears the crash, and they they don't know what's going on, right? They hear the gunfire, they hear the crash, and he sees Joel kill those guys. And decides, all right, yeah, we're going to track these guys down and um, and join up with them, right? Yeah. And so I mean, the he, very next scene... Is his best opportunity, all things considered. Well, right. And I, yeah, exactly. He's not a trained killer. Um, he's no. not... He's been living in a quarantine zone his whole life. He doesn't really have that, you know, as as we've that seen, people, yeah. people in the QZs are a bit more um, sheltered, right? So he doesn't definitely, have that experience of, of being uh, violent. And he obviously wasn't a smuggler type like, like Joel, so he wasn't dealing with those kind of people um, and he's just he needs somebody to help him so he sees Joel as that opportunity um, and then the next scene we see them sneaking up on Joel and I, th- I think it's funny because you know we learned that they didn't have any ammo in their guns <laughs> right yeah. when they when they snuck up yeah. on Joel and Ellie. Correct. Yeah. Well, we, we learned that ahead of time because when the doctor comes up and um, Harry Henry asks him about any food or right. or uh, bullets, and he says, no, I'm out, and Henry says, me too. Right. So, um, but yeah, they sneak up on Joel and Ellie, and this is stupid, and I don't even know why I care, but... Like Joel's pretty experienced. He knows things. He would have known right away that 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 Sam's gun was empty, um, but he wouldn't have known for sure if Henry's was. So um, I thought the same thing. Be- yeah, because it was a revolver. But- I mean, it's pos- like you're you're essentially gambling because there could be one, you know, right there that you can't see, but um, on the cylinder you can tell if there's if there's rounds in those those uh, chambers on the cylinder. On right on a revolver, yeah. But and the way the only, that one is, you could see it. The only thing is that he had just woken up, so he was very disoriented. So maybe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't um, know. Yeah, that was an interesting. Um, I don't know. Moment. It felt strange and awkward, but I guess maybe it was supposed to, like. Like, did Joel just not instantly attack because Sam was a kid? Did he not instantly attack because Henry had his his gun on on Ellie? Did Henry plan that? Like, you would think, you know, just quick thinking logically that Henry would have taken the big guy and given Sam the kid. Right. Um, right. But but was he thinking ahead where 
you know, Joel might just jump, but if he feels Ellie's life is more threatened than his own at the moment, then he may back off a second. So I don't know if that was intended, um, but that's kind of what went through my mind, wondering if it was. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Um, so then I'm trying to remember what happens. Like, how how do they... How does that... How do they resolve it? Yeah. Well, so Joel pretty much says, just put the guns down. And, and Henry says, okay, and, and tells Sam that to go ahead and do it. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing you know, they're sitting there eating and talking. And um, Henry, you know, kind of tells them a little bit about, you know, what's going on. He's like, I, you guys climbed this building so you could get a view to get out of the city. I can help you do that. And then we see the next day they're looking out and um, Henry kind of tells them, you know, I need you, but you also need me. I know how to get out of here, but I need you to do the fighting for me because I can't. I just, yeah. he says that he's never hurt a person um, before. Right. right. So on and so forth. So he draws out a little map and tells them that there's no way they're getting out above ground because Kathleen has all the streets covered. And even if they can manage to get to a corner, they're going to get caught. But he tells them there's a tunnel underground and he doesn't have to worry about Kathleen's people being down there because Kathleen thinks that that tunnel is filled with the infected. That's where Fedra has been keeping the infected. Right. Is underground. And um, Joel says, well, how how do you think we're going to get through it if it's full of infected? And Henry tells him that a Fedra agent, because we've learned at this point that Henry was working with Fedra. And that is at least part of the reason that the militia group, the whatever they're called, the, you know, Kathleen's group is looking for Henry. We don't know the whole story at this point, but we know that, um, we know that he was a conspirator or collaborator is, is the term that was used. Right. So he was, he, he was working with Fedra and a Fedra operative had told him that they had cleared out that tunnel several years ago. Um, so Joel really sees no other choice. So that's where they head. Yeah. I really like this scene because for one weird reason, um, I like the setting. I like that. It's in this like fancy looking boardroom. At the top of this oh, skyscraper. Yeah. yeah, that looks like it's you're ready to fire up a Zoom meeting at any second still. Right. Like, it looks pretty pristine for being it 20 years. pretty nice, right. <laughs> yeah. You can especially tell that from, like, the, the, the still shots that you, you know that you see on Facebook or whatever yes. afterwards with, yeah. the, you know, with just the dialogue in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like it's ripped right out of a human resources training manual. Yeah. No, I, I love it. Because it's so, you don't expect that, you know. You don't expect to see a room looking like that in this world. 
Yeah. But, you know, how are how are vines going to be growing up there? You know, they're not. It's dusty, sure, but it's... But it's not even, like, looted, really, or anything. Right. Like, nobody wants to climb 45 flights of stairs to um, to take out a boardroom table, I guess. <laughs> right. But those chairs are pretty nice, right? Like, yeah. I would have copped one of those chairs. Yeah. I mean, and I guess if there's not a lot of people in it, then it wouldn't really collect much dust, right? I mean, so, unrelated, but I was having this conversation with this woman I work with, and she knows a lot of things. And uh-huh. we were talking about just property in general and yeah. how somebody came through um, the communities here, you know, during the height of COVID and bought up a lot of the empty houses and rental properties and they've not really done anything with them. So there's a lot of empty um, right. houses around here. And I'm like, I wonder if they were hoping to cash in on that. And of course the market's coming back down. Like the the costs are coming back down and nobody's buying houses because of the, you know, the, the mortgage rates, um, very few people anyway. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm wondering if they're willing to take a loss on them at some point. And she's like, well, they're going to have to do something with them because when things go unlived in, they degrade very quickly. And I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. You would think it would be the opposite. And she's like, no, if you think about it, when, you know, when buildings or, or dwellings are left empty. They need to be lived in to, you know, thrive or whatever. So, but she's right because if you, I don't know if you've ever been moved into a house that was empty for a few months, there's always tons of spiders and things like that in there. No, and you're right. Yeah. It's creaky and things like that. Like it needs to be used, like not abused, but just lived in. Right. So, um, I do find it odd that after 20 years of being at the top of that skyscraper that, that yeah, it doesn't look more dilapidated than it really did. But what do I know? Yeah, I don't know. But it was cool, nonetheless. It was. So, yeah. So then, then, then we actually see Kathleen, right? This is the scene with Kathleen now. Oh, which one? The one she was in a few scenes in this episode. The one in her uh, child bedroom. Bedroom. Or is Perhaps. that not yet? I thought that was now. Is that is that before we go in the tunnels or after? I don't know. Anyway, let's just talk about it because. <laughs> okay. I also like this scene. Sure. So yeah, so we she's she's in her childhood bedroom we we learned that she uh grew up in kansas city probably was a chiefs fan big big patrick mahomes fan probably and uh she shared a room with her brother michael who was her older brother um and he kind of protected her made her feel better when they were scared of like storms or whatever, or well, not even just storms, like right living in the apocalypse and all the shit that happened. Um, but we also learn, oh, you know what? You're right. This is after, but because we hear Henry talking about, uh, no. Because in that boardroom scene, this is where he talks about uh, how he he knew one really great man, and that was Michael, Kathleen's brother, and he killed him. 
uh, or you know his actions led to him being killed. Because was that in the boardroom or was that in the tunnel? I thought it was in the boardroom. Thought so it was in the boardroom. I thought in the boardroom is when he tells the story about. When does he tell the story about Sam, and why he collaborated with Federer to begin with? In the boardroom. Okay. Oh uh, shit! No, you're right. That was in the tunnel. Because he tells. It's, it's an issue. Because he room. tells that part. He tells that part, and then he tells about that. Then later on, he says, I wasn't being honest with you earlier when I said that I never hurt somebody. You're right. And he says, I, I, fuck, who's the one that took notes here? Also, <laughs> Kathleen, Kathleen probably would have been a big Priest Holmes and Tony Gonzalez fan, for what it's worth. <laughs> she, she didn't know who Patrick Mahomes was? What the heck? No, he was just a baby. Yeah, he. Oh my gosh, he was. Or if he was even fucking born. No, he's know. older than twenty. Yeah, he would have okay. been like eight. Yeah, we're gonna go with eight. Sure, something like that. Yeah. All right, fine. Then let's go to the tunnels. So they're walking through the tunnels. Seemingly no problems. There's no infected down there. But they do find. This door with all this like childlike writing and drawing all over it. Um, yes. And then they open it, and it's not full of infected or anything like that, or child infected. Um, hint, hint. But it is just. It it looks like uh, somewhere people used to live, and like a school. Um, where kids used to be taught. And so this is Ish, Ish's area. They kind of, they kind of moved it to this little section of Kansas City instead of on the outskirts of Pittsburgh like it had been in the game. Um, what'd you think of this? Um, I loved it. I was yeah. actually curious to, to see how you felt about this. Um, cause I wasn't sure if you took the time to get the entire backstory of ish during your playthroughs, considering you didn't have the patience to sit around for 30 seconds for Ellie to pull out her pun book <laughs> in any of your playthroughs. <laughs> so this was probably my favorite part of the episode. Um, just from the nostalgia point of view, because in the game, if you were meticulous about reading all the notes and getting all the collectibles and like, you didn't even have to be meticulous to, to, to learn about ish, but to learn the entire backstory of, of this whole kind of colony that developed underground. And it wasn't in Kansas city, but you know, that doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you would have, learned about this wonderful story that that centers around ish and these other two people, Susan, I think, and something else where they started this essentially community. And that was a school, like they had things going on and eventually shit went down and the game never resolves what happened. If they escaped, if they made it out or whatever, it just tells you that, they had to abandon their tunnel. Somebody left a door open, right? Wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah. Somebody left a door open and um, the infected got in and they had to just abandon ship more or less. And but we never did find out. We never saw or heard from them later in the game. Right. I had always hoped maybe somehow like in The Last of Us Part Two there would be some sort of thing, but there wasn't, as far as I can recall. No. Um and so it's just kind of left to the imagination on, on how you wanted that. So you know, they didn't tell that story in the TV show, but they definitely paid homage to that story from the game just by having um, the walls painted, you know, like the castle, just like it was yeah. in the game and having the little school down there. Um, and you saw a drawing that had ish. Okay. Or, or that, was... it, that a, a kid had drawn of ish and I'm not sure who the other person was for sure, right. but I wasn't sure ish. if you saw that drawing, if you noticed that. Yeah. It said ish on it. Yeah. So in the show, that was a cool moment, like where Ellie and Sam are just playing like kids and Ellie's like, you know, big sister, big sibling. And, um, they're playing, you know, soccer and it's super loud. And Joel's not even like super annoyed by it. He's a little bit annoyed, but, but he's, he's having this, and this is where he's having this conversation with, with, uh, Henry and, um, you know, by now we had learned that Henry had collaborated with Fedra because Sam had gotten leukemia and the only people that had the medicine to treat it was Fedra. So he turned informant and gave up people of the uh, revolution or whatever that group is called. I'm, I'm not right. even sure. Um, and in while they're sitting there at this little you know, preschool table. He tells Joel that he wasn't honest with him earlier when he told him that he had never hurt somebody. And he said, I didn't directly, you know, kill anybody, but I'm responsible. And then he says it was a great man. And he tells him about Mike. Right. And Mike is Kathleen's brother. And he was the leader of this, this militia. I feel like every time I reference him, I use a different term, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? And, um, and Fedra wanted him. They wanted the leader and Sam gave Mike up to get the medicine to save or not. Sam Henry gave, gave, gave him up to get the medicine to save Sam's life, which is also how he has this, this relationship with this doctor. I presume that's never like flat out stated, but that's gotta be it. That's kind of my guess. Yeah. Um, and he tells Joel, you know, you may not be her father, but you, you were a father and you know, Joel doesn't say nothing, but he kind of looks down and you can tell he's thinking about Sarah and essentially because there was a bit of a tension, you know, Joel had told Henry that, that he doesn't work with collaborators and, and, you know, people that snitch the Fedra are essentially awful people. So he kind of concedes that, that maybe, you know, it would be at least a tough, tough call to make. Um, and he, he's clearly uncomfortable. He doesn't really want to talk about himself and that's where it's going. So that's when he's like, it's time to get out of here. And the next thing you know, they're actually walking on the street. So there was nothing in the tunnels and, and Sam or Henry was right about, about them being clear. 
Yep. And the it, it moves on to the next part of the story, which is, I think, where we go to Kathleen's bedroom. Um, yeah. So, hold on. <clears throat> I want to mention something there, though, about <laughs> Sam and Henry's story. What that implies is that the doctor had some way to treat cancer and leukemia in this well, world. Well, so le- leukemia can be treated with medication sometimes. Okay. Um, not always, but sometimes. So I don't know that he had like advanced like, um, like chemotherapy processes or if it was just injectables and oral medication. Yeah. Um, but I had an uncle who had leukemia just a few years ago and most of his was treated with, with just like, like medicine. Right. Okay. And then. I, I don't want to overstate myself or misspeak, but it seems to me once they thought it was like mostly gone, they actually did do some actual radiation treatments and, um, and it got rid of the, the rest of it, like, you know, like killed it. But like right after that, he had gotten like just some sort of weird infection in his stomach and they couldn't do anything because his immune system, his white blood cells were so down from the the chemo and he died from that. So he survived leukemia and died from a stomach infection because they couldn't treat it. Yeah. 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 It was kind of crazy. Um, so so yeah, I don't want to presume to be a a doctor or anything, but yeah, I I think there's a lot of different forms of leukemia. Like, but the only reason I mention it is because what does that imply about, um, about Ellie and and finding a cure, the ability to find a cure, you know? Maybe Yeah. Maybe they have a better chance of actually succeeding at doing that than than we might think. Well yeah, because I you know, you referenced the fireflies and they actually had this specific facility that I presume that, that they knew about that had power and equipment and whatnot. I'm not suggesting Kansas City didn't have plenty of capable stuff, but I don't know how well a chemotherapy machine is going to work 20 years without maintenance and things like that. I don't know. Right. But, but yeah, there's still, there's still science. I mean, there's still machines. So as long as there's people that can run them and power to run them, anything's possible. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. So Kathleen's in her room and, Perry comes in and she's curious as to why he's there and how he found her. Um, he, he asked her mom where she was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So mom narked on her. We didn't, we haven't met mom. We never meet mom. No, we don't meet mom. Mm. And we never, we never find out if, uh, the kid is hers or not. Yeah. Either. That too. Right. If that, that boy uh, that died, was her yeah. son. I guess yeah. we can just make up our own theories, but I think it's our own own little ish. Um, <laughs> exactly. I think that he is yeah. and I feel like that's a nice um round circle. I think he is too and I think that's why she doubles down on her rage when right. she sees his body. Exactly. Um so she's in her room and she's reminiscing and 
telling Perry about how when there were thunderstorms in Kansas City when she was a kid, how her brother would comfort her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, essentially how she, she missed that. And we, we know now that, that her brother was the leader of this, this group before Kathleen. And she tells Perry, she's like, Michael would have told me to forgive Sam. In fact, Michael did tell me to forgive Sam and to Henry. let it go before he died. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I keep doing that. Henry. And, um, and she's like, and I suppose you're here to try to talk me out of, you know, of, of going after Henry and all these things. And Perry's just mostly listening. And when she finishes, he says, Michael was a good man. Your brother was a good man. We all loved Michael, but he could not do what you have done referring to overthrowing Fedra. And essentially he says, we're with you. Um, yeah, and they are. Yeah. I, oh, I want to back up a little bit. We just kind of skipped sure. over the interrogation scene <laughs> where at the beginning where they have those people in the cage and she comes in grabs her folding chair and tells them that, you know, oh, they've we all totally did. Yes. They're all going to get a fair trial and they're going to be convicted of course, cause that's just how it goes, but they'll do some time and everything will go on. And she asks, she says, you know, you guys are informants inform, tell me where, where Henry is. And, um, you know, she threatens to kill them all. And finally one guy speaks up and that's when we learn about the doctor. Henry was with, you know, with the right. doctor. Right. Um, and she walks out and, <laughs> I thought this part was was interesting because she goes on to her next thing and Perry Perry has to ask. He's like, so are we really going to put them on trial? And I think he was yeah. hopeful she was going to say yes. Right. And she was like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. of course not. And then so he signals to one of his men to, you know, go in and kill them all. Oh. And it just, it just goes to speak of the, the like there's something – you know, this is before we know the whole story about Michael. So there is something driving Kathleen that is hard to understand because like she is pissed, right? She is out yeah. for vengeance. She's um, um, sadistic. Yeah. So, so that definitely plays into that. So anyway, we, um, we get past the, the part where they're in um, Kathleen's room. And I don't remember the exact next scene. Is that when we see, Sam and Henry and Joel and Ellie walking out of town and they start getting shot at or does something else? Yes. Um, no, uh, I think that we next, the next scene we see them walking into the cul-de-sac with, with the sniper. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just so want to make note. There's something I want to say about that last scene that, I think we should have a little spoiler chat at the end of this episode to go into um, my my take on Kathleen and what she means to the overall story of The Last of Us. Um, so so let's put a pin in that and return to it if you can remind me. Um, okay. After after we finish with all the recapping and everything I want to talk about this so anyway just remind me 
So yeah, they are up in the cul-de-sac, which is, again, another thing that is kind of ripped straight from the game. Um, we s There's a sniper shooting them, uh, and they're hiding behind cars and stuff, and there's no infected, really. Um, it's just them, and he's shooting at them. In the game, it takes place during the day, and in the show, it takes place during the night, which works better, I think. Um, well, just for where the scene goes, I think it works better, too. Um, you know it works better because you listen to the podcast. <laughs> no, I agree, though. It's, it's I nuts. do agree. Yeah, it, it's yeah. good. And, and I think it had to because it, it excuses the sniper taking as many shots as he does and missing them constantly. I don't know that the bit. night excuses that. I think there's another excuse for that, but well, it yeah. just, it makes for a much better cinematic experience Yeah, because of the effects and whatnot. So um, yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad they worked hard to bring us this night scene and I'm glad that it had ample lighting so we could actually see it. Yes. <laughs> I will say I've watched episodes of the show during the day and it's so uh -huh. much more difficult to see because oh, because yeah, the glare on the TV you mean? in this room, the glare yeah. on the TV just makes it really hard to see those night scenes. Um, yeah, I definitely got to pull the um, blackened curtains and then the drapes over it or whatever order they go in. Both sets. Yeah. yeah, ours never close. We just don't. We have these big windows behind the TV, but I never close them mm -hmm. because they're just hard. You're an exhibitionist. They're hard to close. Yes, I am. Yep, I like being on display. Yep. Yeah, as you should, as you should, and your body is a temple. So, <laughs> so that yeah, they're walking up this cul-de-sac. It seems like they kind of got smooth sailing out of Kansas City, although there's still plenty of episode left. So you know that's not the case. Yeah. Um, and you hear a shot, and hear you know a bullet hit near their their general area. They take cover behind this car. You hear several more shots. And by now, Joel has worked out that this guy is not a very good sniper. Um, so he tells the other three that he is going to sneak around to the house and take the guy out. And Ellie kind of panics. She's not been really alone without Tess or Joel in any sort of tense situation. Yep. And you can, you can see child Ellie come out like definitely child Ellie. And, you know, Joel has to kind of have this pep talk with her and, and you hear him ask her, do you trust me? And yeah. she kind of composes herself and Joel does just that. He sneaks around to, to this house, goes in and um, doesn't have any opposition going up the stairs and he gets to the top and he suddenly realizes why this man is a terrible shot. And why do you think that is Daniel? Well, he's old. He's old. He can't see. <laughs> and, and shaky. And shaky. And in fact, like he can't hear very well either because he doesn't even really hear Joel coming up this creaky old staircase. Yeah, yeah I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> and, and open this door. Um, yep. In the gameplay portion of this, you do have to fight your way up, you know. Um, but as they mentioned in the podcast, you know, they don't really have to do that in the show because they're not trying to, you know, 
fill up the screen with bad guys all the time. Um, and the guy kind of looks at Joel and, and Joel can see it in his eyes. And, and there's this exchange where Joel is essentially begging him not to, or just telling the guy to surrender, you know, give me your gun, wait an hour before you radio anybody. Um, and you know, you don't have to die. And he just sees the look in the guy's eyes and he knows that the guy's going to turn his gun on him and he's going to have to shoot him. And, um, you see him turn towards Joel with the gun and then you hear Joel say no. And you hear a shot fired. You don't actually see it happen. Um, yeah. And the camera angle is on Ellie and, and, and Henry and Sam at that point. Then it cuts back to the house and you hear on the radio, Kathleen talking to the sniper saying something about just keep them engaged. We're almost to your location. Joel looks out the window and he can see them coming and he tells, he yells as loud as he can for, for the others to run. But of course it's, it's pretty much too late. They, they get away a little bit. Um, but Kathleen and the convoy, there's this big truck in front. That's got like this huge snow plow type thing attached to it. So it rams through all these vehicles that are in the way. As it's coming down the cul-de-sac and uh, Joel picks up the sniper rifle and starts shooting at it and it's getting closer and closer and it's about to take, you know, like literally run Ellie over and he manages to manages to shoot the driver and it veers off into this house and um, catches on fire and explodes. And then we see, the, 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 the Ellie and Sam and, and Henry crouch behind another car as Kathleen and Perry and a bunch of the henchmen are walking up. Kathleen knows that he's there. She doesn't know exactly where he is. Yeah. She tells him to just come out, um, make it easier for everybody. He thinks about it for a second and he does. He yells, I'll come out if you let them go. And he says, she says the girl was with the guy that killed Jacob. Was that his name? Um, whatever the kid was. Yeah. And she she says, and Sam is with you. And he yells out, he's just a fucking kid. And she very coldly says, kids die, Henry kids die all the time. Yeah. It's just, wow. Kathleen, Uh I thought you just couldn't get any more vicious. Well, she says, have you ever thought that maybe it's his destiny? Or, yeah, or, or not his destiny, but he's just supposed to die. Like, have you yeah. ever thought that maybe he is just supposed to die? Correct. And what I find interesting about that is that, and I'll go into this more in my spoiler section after the episode, but I think it's interesting that he does eventually die. Sure. Yes. Um, but anyway. Um. So they all, they all come out or, um, Henry does come out. Yeah. (coughs) Henry, just Henry comes out. Yeah. Just Henry. And she says something like it ends how it ends. And she holds her gun up and charges it. And she's about to shoot him. And just at that time you hear this explosion and you look over and the truck that had, that was ramming the cars had exploded and it created this big, um, 
hole, crater, and it falls into it. And everybody's over looking at that. And then you just hear rumbling and everybody's eyes get very big. And then you just see, I don't know, hundreds of, of mm-hmm. rabid, crazy infected just start jumping out of this hole. Yeah. So it turns out they were underground somewhere. They just weren't in Ish's tunnel. Right. <laughs> Thankfully. Yeah. And so these infected just start ravaging and, and uh, you know, killing off all the the henchmen and of course they're coming after um ellie and 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 sam and and henry as well and um so joel's trying to take them out with a sniper rifle the ones that are getting close to his people especially ellie and ellie looks over and she sees henry and sam under this vehicle with a couple of infected going at him was this after she got in the car? No, she gets in this car oh, God, to hide. Car scene, man. Ugh. To hide or to get away from an infected. Yeah. And this small infected manages to get in the car. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think, the first time we see a child infected, right? It does Yeah. I guess at that moment, I did not realize it was a child infected. But full um, disclosure, I didn't either until I listened to the... Um, <laughs> the, the podcast yeah and, and but it makes sense so because like, it is very tiny and very acrobatic yeah. like <laughs> very acrobatic it is like creepy, rabid creepy like backwards flip thing into yeah. the back seat and then and i think yeah. ellie realizes that she's not going to be able to kill it inside the car like she's not going to be able to knife it in the head and plus she right. um fired her last round out of her her gun as they were fleeing from the the large pickup kind right. of like wasted it because there was no chance she was hitting anything yeah the whole time i was so um, mad that she was shooting at the truck like, what are yeah. you doing well i mean i think you're you just do that if you if you're not sure anyway <laughs> so um so she jumps out of the car you know to get away from the infect from the child infected and she sees Henry and Sam hiding under this other car with a couple of infected going at them. And she runs over there and she knifes each of them in the shoulder to draw their attention. And Sam and Henry get out and Joel, I think kills those two with his sniper rifle. Yeah. And they start to run off. And as they're running off, Kathleen catches them and says, ah, man, I skipped over a part. So somewhere in there, the what do they call it? The bruiser? No, what, what what's it called? Oh well, the, yeah, the 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 bloater. Bloater comes. Yes, bloater <laughs> comes climbing out of the hole. Yeah. yeah. Would you? Would you think of the bloater? Because I wasn't sure when they first announced the show. I kind of was hoping they wouldn't have a bloater in the show. And so they're gonna. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have one, obviously, because we saw it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> why were you hoping they didn't? Because it's very video gamey. It um, is very video gamey. It's very boss fighty. Yeah. And I just didn't. And, I don't know. Yeah, you don't have, like, a whole bunch of chances to reset and learn your strategy to kill it. Because the first time we, in the game we see a bloater is with Bill in the gymnasium. Right. And that was a hard fight. It took me several tries. 
Yeah. Um, but they do have a bloater. And I think, and again, this is after listening to the explanation of why they included it from Neil and Craig. Um, it makes sense, I guess, somewhat the way they did it. And um, the bloater comes out and he's pretty, and you know, he can't really be shot or killed in any conventional way. And he starts just tearing people apart and he gets to Perry and Perry tells Kathleen to run and she, you know, presumably does. And he turns around and unloads the rest of his, his, uh, his gun, his, his, uh, M14 until it runs out of ammo. And then it clicks three times, which is super annoying. Cause it wouldn't do that, but whatever. <laughs> um, and the bloater just picks him up and fucking pops his head off like a dandelion. Yep. It was, uh, quite a death. Yeah. And the, uh, so the infected are, are making their way towards Ellie and like, they're, you know, they're, they're still going to swarm Ellie and, 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 and Sam and Henry and they're trying to get away. And that's when Kathleen stops them. And for whatever reason they stop and, um, you know, she's essentially doing the, the villain, you know, uh, monologue or whatever that's called. Yeah. And while she's doing that, that child or maybe a different child, um, uh, clicker, uh, infected, like attacks her from behind and, and kills her. And it was kind of poetic justice that she got killed by a child after saying that about Sam. Um, but the swarm is still coming and then something happens in the background, more people show up and that draws their attention and they all turn and run back towards where all the other chaos was. So the other three can escape and then Joel meets them. I don't know if I told that exactly right, but that's kind of how I remember it. Yeah. <clears throat> it's all chaotic mess. Um, yeah. But it's a really cool scene. Like it's just, it's, it's the biggest set piece of the show since the first episode. Um, I imagine it was a very expensive scene to film. Yeah, yeah, I imagine that as well. Uh, you know, listening to that behind the scenes podcast, they they built this whole set, this whole yeah. cul-de-sac and everything. Yeah. Um, and it looked just like it did in the show in the game, which was really cool. Um. They built this city. <clears throat> in the game, it's very different. You know, you, you get to the house, take out the sniper, you get the sniper gun, and sniper rifle, and then you have to protect Sam, Henry, and Ellie while they are chased by clickers and, and, and infected in the streets to, trying to get to you. Um, and that's a cool scene, but like, this is so much more exciting. I, I feel anyway. Yeah, definitely. One quick note. Yeah. Um, Neil had talked in the podcast about the child clicker and he mentioned that he just for shits and giggles wanted her in a blues clues shirt, which I think is cool, but they didn't ever slow it down long enough for anybody to ever see that. No. 
like I tried to watch it again and yeah, I couldn't tell. So it's not noticeable, yeah. no. No. But but yeah, um It's a good scene. And they almost get out of there and then fucking crazy Kathleen blood blood crazy Kathleen uh, tracks them down and holds them at gunpoint um, and threatens to still kill Henry and it's like lady give it up <laughs> like what the hell are you doing no she how did they put it she chased the, the white whale till the end right right but then she's taken out by that same child yeah. clicker. Um, yeah. Which is crazy because it just jumps off this rock at her and like jumps like 15 feet through the air to <laughs> tackle her. Spider monkey. And tackles her and just like goes nuts, smacking and slapping her. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they definitely and they leave in all that yeah. chaos. They get the hell out of there. Yeah. So yeah. I think somebody on our show predicted that perhaps the the infected is is what was going to in a roundabout way save Joel and Ellie. So that kind of happened. Yeah. Right. We yeah we did sort of predict that, didn't you? You they, predicted it. I oh, was it me? Was yes. that me? Okay. No, uh, it was you. Uh, you know it was you. <laughs> um, so the next, the next scene, they're in this like old motel, and I found this part also interesting. Like, they're suddenly not worried about any humans at all because they don't even have the curtains drawn. You can see the light from a long distance at the room that they're in, and somehow they all have these lanterns that still like have fuel and work so far into, into the future. But yeah, right. that's okay. Into the 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 apocalypse. Um, everybody's in a fairly good mood. Like Joel, you know, he's like, well, I don't know how I'm getting to Wyoming. I'm probably walking, you know, to, to Henry, but if you want to, and you know, Henry just kind of like nods like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And, um, Sam and Ellie are in the bedroom and Henry comes in and tells Sam it's time to go to bed, goes out, shuts the door and then. You know, Ellie gets him back up and they just start talking. And uh, Sam has this, this, uh, this one of those pads that has like that film on the top that you can lift up and it'll erase the words. You know, yeah, I don't yeah, know what they're called, but what they call it, but they were magic carpet I don't know. or something. I don't know. Magic carpet. But I'm sure everybody's seen them. Like they were yeah. huge when I was a kid. I don't know that they're that big a deal now, but anyway. Yeah. Um so he and Ellie are just talking and he asks her, he writes down, Are you ever afraid? Or scared? And then she replies, Do I not look like I'm afraid right now? Yeah. And she's just kind of playing and he's being pretty serious. Um and they go back and forth a few times, just kind of with this, and and she can kind of tell suddenly that that he's, you know, a little more somber and, and something's up. And then he writes, 
do you think if you turn into a monster, it's still you inside? And she looks at that and looks at him and he pulls up his leg to reveal that he's been bitten. And she just says, fuck. Yeah. And then she kind of gets this excited thought and writes on the pad that my blood is medicine. And she gets out her knife and cuts her hand and like has this completely like childish, naive hope that her holding her bloody hand over his bite is going to save him. And he asks, this is such a sweet moment. It's a very sweet moment. He asks her if she will stay up with him, stay awake with him. And she says, yes, I promise. Yeah. And the next thing we know, it's, it's kind of morning and it does appear as though she's nodded off a little bit. And he's sitting on the side of the bed with his back to her. And she says something before remembering that he's deaf and can't hear her. So she walks up to him and touches him. And that's when he turns and charges her. And you can tell that he is now infected. And they burst out of the bedroom into the room that Joel and Henry are in. Yeah. And of course, Joel instinctively starts to run towards them. Um, Henry suddenly has bullets and he shoots at Joel, not at Joel, but shoots at Joel's feet to, to keep him from like intervening. And I mean, it happens pretty quickly, but then he turns and he just kind of, I don't know, instinctively or reactively shoots Sam and yeah, you know, Ellie is, is okay. She's not torn apart. And then a few seconds pass and he starts, it starts to set in that he just killed Sam and, um, you know, he, he does the, the, what did I do? What did I do? Did I just kill my brother? Yeah. And Joel sees the situation deteriorating very quickly and tries to talk him down, tries to get him to give him his gun. Ellie's still on the floor, kind of hovering over Sam. And you just see the look in in Henry's eyes and you hear Joel yell, Henry, no. And then you hear, you know, you, you start to see the gun towards his head, go towards his head. And then you hear a shot and the the noise Ellie makes when that happens, I don't know if it struck you the same way it struck me, but it seemed like very real. Like it was, it, that would be a hard thing to act. Um, but Sam ended up committing suicide just because of the trauma. I assume that he just went through and the thought of living, having killed his brother, now living life without his brother, which is all he was living for. Henry, I mean, not Sam. Yeah. It's too much. Ugh. It's almost too much to repeat. I know. The acting in this scene is just incredible. The The actor who plays Henry is so good. And Pedro Pascal is incredible in this, in this moment. It, it's just so... It's so well done, but it's so heartbreaking. And I didn't think that 
this episode would affect me as much as the Bill and Frank episode, but it definitely did. Um, I, I think that I like this episode better than that one. I think it's the best episode of this show so far. Um, and the reason for that is I think because, um, it feels more like a a last of us episode, you know? Like, the Bill and Frank episode is its own sort of thing, right? Um, But this episode, the whole thing just feels like The Last of Us. There's so much of the game's DNA throughout this episode. Um, The ish stuff, the the way they handle this scene, um, and and what I'll go into in a bit about... um, about Kathleen and how I think she compliments the show and, and the game and the whole story. Um, I just, I loved this episode and this scene was just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Agreed. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and then, I, I feel like, I feel like we knew that the, the story with Sam wasn't going to end happily you know, having played the game, but we didn't know for sure. We didn't know for sure. No, Um, you know, but it was somehow even more tragic than the game. Um, yeah, the the whole, the overall scene. Yeah. And I agree. It was a great episode. I think it's, uh, I agree. I liked it better than episode three. That doesn't there. It's a, it was a different episode than episode three. Like, it's yes. not really comparing apples to a- apples. Absolutely, so. yes. I just, um, I just really appreciated how th- there seemed to be a real synergy for this episode between this episode and honestly the last one. If you take them as a whole, right? If you think about it and, uh, as its own arc, these two episodes. Um, yeah, it was essentially a chapter. So yeah. I mean, you could watch those two episodes as a movie, right? Um, yes. And I kind of like that. I like shows that are structured that way ever since... Oh my gosh, Bogey, quiet. Ever since um, Andor did that a lot. And I am I know other shows have done this, but Andor did it really well. And Last of Us is turning out to do it pretty darn well as well. And in that they... they do these like two or three episode arcs, right? Andor was three episode arcs, I think, and this is two episodes. Um, but it each arc is sort of like its own little movie, and um, I just I really enjoy that. It's I, I like it a lot. It makes me want to go yeah. back and watch both episodes like back to back, just one after the other, and really see. The whole thing. Well, with technology, you can do that. It's a great. I thing. know it's it's incredible. So, so um, yeah, and that's the end of the episode. Well, not quite. They they bury them. Oh yeah, right? sorry. Go ahead. Tell, um, tell us about that. So they bury Sam and Henry, and we see that happen, and then 
Ellie puts this, puts the magic paper thing down on Sam's grave, and it says, I'm sorry. And she leaves it there, and she walks off, and she's seems pretty upset. Like just it's it's kind of a a flip of episode two, where after Tess is killed, Joel kind of storms off, pissed off, gives Ellie the cold shoulder. Right. She's she's doing that a little bit in this case, um, because she lost somebody that she cared about in Sam, even though they weren't together long, they, they had this, this connection and she just says something to the effect of which way is West. And Joel kind of nods and she just gets up and starts walking without saying anything. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then that's the end of the episode, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 Then we see the previews for the next episode, which I don't know that we need to get into here, but um, it, uh, we're going to see a, an old friend again, I guess, for lack of a better term. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to see uh, Tommy again. We are going to see Tommy, yeah. yeah. And it's wintertime, so they're kind of blending a few things. They are, yeah, yeah. Setting that in winter is interesting. That has some just fine. implications. It does, um, which I guess works because there's only four episodes left. No, um, it's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, what did you want to get into? So, spoiler territory, I guess. Warren, yeah, that's listening still. Yeah, I think we should kind of set that as a dividing line right there. Um, If you don't want to hear spoilers for what happens the rest of the series, the rest of the season, and and maybe the rest of the series, we might go into part two, um, then turn this episode off right now. Just go do it. See you later. Thanks. Thanks for listening. And everybody else who's sticking around to hear some spoiler stuff. Um, All right, so here's my take on Kathleen. So everybody in The Last of Us is sort of a... You know, Neil Druckmann has said before that they're, they're all written as sort of foils to Joel, right? And um, everybody's supposed to sort of show what could be, um, uh, what Joel could become, um, or what what could happen, uh, depending on on their his actions, right? So. With Bill in the show, so Bill in the game kind of shows that, like, his lesson is that Joel should not get attached to Ellie, right? 
and that, mm-hmm. that having somebody you care about is the sort of thing that gets you killed. Um, in the show, it's very different. His lesson is, you know, people like you and me are here to protect other people. Yeah, and, it's the complete opposite. <clears throat> yeah, and we uh, we will do whatever it takes to to stop anybody who gets in the way of us doing that, right? Anybody mm-hmm. who uh, affects our ability to protect those we care about. And we will stop at nothing. And <clears throat> then the foil for him um, in... Kansas City is, I guess it's Henry, right? With Sam, he sees this other paternal kind of relationship. But to me, I think a more interesting comparison is Kathleen. Because what Kathleen's lesson is, is that maybe for the greater good, The kid is just supposed to die. And she... So, and it's not necessarily Kathleen's lesson. It's the storyline's lesson, as I see it. So, bear with me. So, in this storyline, Sam has cancer, right? And Henry basically gives up um, the leader of the resistance for... Sam to be able to live and it's directly mirrors the decision that Joel makes at the end of The Last of Us, right? He says, fuck everybody else, fuck the greater good, I am I am I'm saving the one that I love, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens when Henry does that when Henry makes that choice, it all goes to shit, right? He sets off this course of events that destroys Kansas City, destroys the resistance, and ultimately destroys him and Sam. Um, Sam dies anyway. He gets infected. Um, <clears throat> and instead of Michael helping to overthrow Fedra and maybe, you know, creating a more just society in Kansas City. Um, He dies and Kathleen takes over and she's ruthless and she's violent and she's bloodthirsty and um, she's not a very good leader because she just doesn't make good decisions um she's not she's 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 good at getting people to fight for her but she's not good at actually governing right she doesn't make good Mm -hmm. decisions like dealing with the threat underground before it can become a real problem right um and she doesn't enact any kind of 
just society. She, it's, it's still just, uh, you know, it's, it's anarchy. Um, so to me, and, and I know that the, the one thing about this story, this theory that, that really kind of pokes a hole in it is Perry saying to her, well, Michael didn't change anything you did. Right. But still there's that, there's that hope that maybe Michael still could have changed something. Right. Obviously the ball was rolling. He died only days before the the whole thing fell, right? So well, I think I think the the idea was that she once he died, she was much more aggressive than he ever would have been. Right. That's why that's why it finally fell. But clearly, I mean, come on, he you can't. You can't set up that kind of revolution. Um, you can't have that. It doesn't just happen overnight, you know. Well, no, he he, he, he built has, he, he built up the system exactly. Like she, Kathleen, probably would not have been able to build up the system. She didn't have those leadership abilities, and right. she also didn't have the leadership ability to see the bigger picture and to try to minimize damage and to understand that even after a successful overthrow, you still have to, you know, build and have things in place. And um, so, yes, she did things that Michael couldn't do because they're just two different people. And like, you know, for example, if the United States wanted to take out Russia, we could instantly Mm -hmm. is that the smart thing to do no probably not um because of all the fallouts you know pun intended or not intended actually from that so there's a strategic and often slow way when it comes to these sorts of things anymore and I think the gist was that Michael never really did have the balls, so to speak, to to do the violent things, to do the necessary things to get to that final place. And it's never said, but I believe his goal was more to wear them down to where they, I don't know, compromise somehow, they being Fedra. Yeah. Um, which, you know, probably never would have happened from the sounds of the way that the, the Kansas city Fedra QZ people had this reputation that even Joel had heard about in Boston. Um, so yeah, I don't know that that's really speaking to your overall point, but that's kind of how I see that dynamic between the difference of, of Michael and Kathleen. Right. So I don't know. I just think that says a lot about, um, Joel's choice at the end of this, uh, at the end of the game. Um, yeah. And the game never really presented that, um, before. So I really like how the show 
shows that sort of counterpoint to to what what the game ultimately says which is what bill says at the end of three right yeah um i feel like the game always sort of um didn't really judge joel but joel did a bad thing like i distinctly remember when the game came out and we first played through it i think you had finished it before me and i remember texting you when i finished it and i was like holy shit joel's the bad guy (laughs) and um but the game itself never judges him that way the game always kind of makes you know i i always felt like the the developers were on his side that they would have done the same thing at least neil Druckmann certainly made it sound like he understood yeah. where where joel was coming from and so I think... so it's interesting to see this different perspective and i think that's what happens when you get somebody fresh in there somebody like craig mazin giving a different take on it he's like well we have to provide this counterpoint um to show people uh you know another viewpoint on it yeah so i yeah i i think you know the the comparison the parallel would be kind of kathleen to what joel does at the end of the game and it's not logical thinking and it's 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 very like straightforward thinking it's only thinking about one thing and you know in Joel's case it was he didn't care that Ellie could potentially stop this pandemic um he only cared about Ellie he wasn't going to lose again like he lost Sarah he swore he would never do that and he did it to a degree with Tess, but he was not going to do it again with Ellie. And um, so it's that that one track mind mentality, like when he you know bursts into the hospital and kills everybody. It's not necessarily for vengeance for something that's already been done, right? To Ellie, it's vengeance for everything that's been done to him in his life, and for the threat of taking Ellie away as well. Where Kathleen, it's it's literally vengeance for Michael for taking away the one thing that she had in this world that she truly cares about. And clearly she had other things. We know at a minimum she had a mom and potentially had a son, but that connection with her brother is is what really mattered to her more than anything. Right. And that was removed. And I I don't get the sense and I don't think that she was probably this monster before that. Like that kind of developed in that moment of rage and hatred. And she's just been seeing red ever since that. And it hasn't been a whole lot of time. You know, we have to remember that the, the course of events between Henry giving up Michael and what we see in this episode is only maybe three weeks, you know? Um, And as far as like Joel at the end of the season, like, I'm still conflicted on whether or not I think he was the bad guy. I had this conversation with, with uh, Ace just the other day. Again, we've had this mm-hmm. conversation many times. Like, because uh, it comes up again in, in part two. And it really kind of comes down to perspective. We were talking about part two and 
you know, she's like, could you imagine if we would have had the choice to just walk by and not cut Abby down? Yeah. Um, or if we had to make the choice whether or not to kill her or let her go. And I said, I feel like if I could have had the choice to just walk by and not cut her down, I probably could have done that. But once we started fighting, I I wanted to kill her. Like, And I know Abby was just like her dad was the doctor, right? Like she was harmed as well by Joel's actions. And, um, but then she hurt Joel, which was this character. I already had this connection to, which in turn hurt Ellie, who I had this huge connection to. And as a player and as somebody so invested into this universe, like I was angry Hmm. and I have no way, I have no issues with the way that game ended, but if I had, like, if it would have made me make that choice without hesitation, I would have killed her. Um, wow. I felt the opposite. Like, <laughs> I did not want to fight her again at all. Well, I didn't, like, if, like, again, if I could have avoided it altogether, I probably would have. But once I got in that mode of yeah. b- being angry, then that changed things. I was and, just angry at, I was angry at Ellie for going back out there. Like, what are you doing? You have a nice life with Dina. Well, yeah. And baby, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I wish Sheep like somehow. I wish that that didn't happen, but it did. Yeah. So once it does, you got to do something about it. I wish that. So regarding the end of the first episode, I was more upset. Not so much what Joel did as far as killing the doctors. What not. It was him lying to Ellie about it. That's what made that's what made him seem like the bad guy to me. Right? Like Yeah. You know, when he told her that 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 it didn't matter, she they determined that she couldn't, you know, help anybody. Because he didn't know that. And, you know, she says, Promise me, Joel. And he does. And she knows he's lying. And you see that in, in part two. Like that totally carries over into it. And of course, I don't know if he's lying to protect her or lying to protect himself or try to justify his own shit actions. I'm not justifying his actions at all, or even Ellie's at the end of the second one. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do. I'm just saying I could see how that could very easily be a choice. A lot of people would make. Yes, I could too. Yes especially, you know, after playing the whole game as Joel and Ellie and, and, and seeing that bond, like, right. It just, it just did not matter to him. Right. Nothing else mattered. No, I, yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, um, geez, we're at two hours. I know. Sorry. (laughs) I had a lot to, I was up in the middle of the night thinking about this. I just really, really liked the Kathleen storyline for that whole reason. Um, yeah, no, it was a great addition to the to the series for sure. Um, yeah, I think it, it was it was a good uh, mirror and I just think the whole whole thing was an improvement over um over the game yeah definitely yeah i don't know 
we'll see what happens next. I'm curious how they're going to handle David while we're talking about spoilers. I'm just yeah. real, real curious how that's going to all play out. Is gonna, David going to be... find out. And then here's my other question. While we're talking spoilers, do you think that they introduce Abby early? Do you think they introduce her before this season's over? Or at least characterize uh, her dad in some way? I don't know. Considering they didn't even have the second season greenlit until yeah. after week one. But they could have. They could have filmed that. I mean, and yeah, they could have. They they could have already had her cast, and they could have just filmed a tiny, tiny tidbits to to put in there somewhere. So that's entirely possible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know that they would have it in there, not knowing for sure that there would be a second season. But they had. To, they, I mean, they had to have had a ninety nine percent idea that they were going to get picked up for a second season but i don't know yeah um but yeah i've been curious about that too we'll see we shall see jeremy i'm sorry this went so long oh it's all good i just gotta go to the bathroom really 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 bad (laughs) okay (laughs) well i'll let you go thank you for joining me tonight for this special episode five recap of The Last of Us. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. That was you. I was thanking you. I know. I tried to say you're welcome, but my throat swelled shut or something. <laughs> you are welcome, Daniel. Not, not only are you uh, do you have to go to the bathroom, but you're also dying. Great. Cool. I never talk for two hours straight, like ever. Yeah, so I know. It, it hurts when I do. So I'm drinking water. Um, I thought I was going to die earlier because I'm having this hernia pain. And poor Quinn, she like, I went into the living room away from them to quietly just lay down in pain for a minute. Because if I lay down, it does go away, like flattening my body, like the hernia itself flattens and all my insides mm-hmm. go back in. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but at that moment, I was just in a lot of pain and I couldn't help it and I was just kind of seething and she went in there for something and she saw me and she like ran into the other room and told Coley that I was what'd she say daddy's panicking is what she said to Coley nice Get, get the whole house in a panic. So Coley ran in. She's like, can I take you to the hospital? I was like, no, you don't need to take me to the hospital. No, I, just... I have to record the show tonight. I can't go to the hospital. <laughs> I just need, it really, it's the weirdest thing. After I eat, sometimes if I eat too much, it just um, hurts. And then if I lay down for 10 minutes, it goes away. And that's all I was doing. So I understand. Yep. Anyway. All right. Thank you. Good listeners for joining us. We will see you next week for episode six of the last of us. Yes, we will. Okay. Stopping. <laughs>